Welcome into the Bear Den. I'm Matt Workman. And back from across the pond, Jolly Oling, Mr. Joe Green. Joe, how are you doing? I, I flew back across the Atlantic Ocean and my arms are tired. <laughs> Get it yet. Oh, I'm doing well, man. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. I, I hear I had a stand-in last week. Yeah. Matt was gracious enough to join join me, and we talked about the uh, the preview of the NCAA tournament, the first, uh, really the first weekend, the first two rounds. So it was good that, to have him on. The thing that is done already. Yeah. Yeah. So did you like, call it? Uh, did you call it between two mats? No. We should have called it something like something like that on the mat, down on the mat, or on the mats. But um. Yeah, I figured we have someone on because like he knows way more about college basketball than me. I don't watch near enough college basketball if it's not Baylor. So it was good to have him on, have more knowledge about the other teams in the field. Plus, he's he's a uh, legitimately funny human being. So yeah, so it was yeah, good to have him. I'm glad that he came on. Pre- very appreciative that he was able to jump on uh, due to your uh, worldly travels. Yeah, I know. Just jet setting around. My so, my flight back was great. There, like our plane was maybe thirty percent full on the flight back. So oh, cool. Um, yeah, and That's I nice. got up, I got upgraded for free as well. I just like asked because there was nobody on the plane, so I just was like, "Hey, can I can I move up?" And they're like, "Yeah, go for it." So tell us so, about tell us about your travels. Tell us about England. I know you went to a um, match. Um, there yes, I did. I did go to a Premier League so match. It's like the... soccer. I want to call it soccer, but I know our uh, friends over in England they they don't like that. So you can just call it footy. Footy. Yeah. And I sound like that, a child. it's different than football. So it's not you don't say the same word. Yeah, but footy. they called it soccer. They created it and called it soccer originally. I mean, I'm confused about the nomenclature. Now I'm pretty sure soccer is. I want to say it's of Canadian origin. That word. Like, I think that's where that word comes from. And I think it has to, I think it was like spe- a, a specific league. I want to say, hold on, let's find out. Cause I did, I did go to what we would call a soccer match origin of word soccer. Oh, there we go. The word soccer. You were right. Actually, Matt. Uh, the word soccer comes from a slang abbreviation of the word association, A-S-S-O-C, which British players of the day uh, adapted as ASOC or A-Soccer and eventually just soccer after that. So, yeah, there you go. It was, uh, I guess. But they don't a, like it now, though. If you call it soccer, they get offended. Yeah, yeah. It's because it was because the 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 league that they play in over there is called the FA, the football association. So um, that's right. where the association came from. And then a sock and then an a soccer and then soccer. There you go. There you go. There's your history. Learn, lesson. Learning your, things all the time. Your, your bared in history lesson. I don't know where I heard the Canadian thing. Cause I was just not anywhere near close. So just ignore anything. I ever probably played. from South park, you know, like blame Canada. That's kind of like your like, go yeah, to this is blame Canada. Oh man, going to a game over there though. Um, it's uh, it's it's difficult to describe. It's not like co- it's similar to college football, um, but 
it's not just like loud the whole time. You know, it's not like everybody's just like sitting there while you're on defense, just screaming at the top of their lungs, but it gets very loud. And the difference, everybody's singing like all the time. You don't even, you don't even notice on television until like everybody gets into song and starts singing like really loud. That's where TV picks it up when you watch it on TV, but being there in person, like there's always like a section of stands singing at one point, like, um, they sing the entire time and then the whole place goes crazy anytime fun, anything fun happens. Um, I was very, very lucky in that um, through some connections that me that I have through a friend that was with me, um, we were third row uh, midline. So we were essentially we were on the 50 yard line, um, three rows off the field. So um like we could, I could hear players talking to each other. Uh, people were jawing with the, uh, um, the sideline ref. Um, and he kind of, he, he, he was playful back to some folks in the stands too. Um, so not only like, did I get to go there to go to a game, but I was like, I was right there on top of it in some of the most prime seats in the stadium. Um, we won three to one, my Tottenham Hotspur, um, football club, uh, they they did pull off the victory against Nottingham Forest. I got to watch Harry Kane score two goals. Hingman Sun scored another. Um, so it was it was one of the more amazing and fun sports experiences that I've ever had in my life. Um, and I I want to go again. Like I, I can't wait to go back. Um, besides that though, I mean we did tons of tourist stuff. Um, That's what I want to get to. Like. The sports things are fine. Let's get to like the food and drink portion. Food and drink, man. We, I did, we, we had as much fun as we possibly could. So, um, we had a couple of dinner reservations before we went. Um, get some real fish and chips. I saw. uh, Oh, yeah. Of course we had fish and chips. So we had the first fish and chips that I had there was Guinness and some fish and chips, right? Yeah. Um, was actually outside of Windsor Castle. Uh, went to a pub that was within walking distance of that castle. Um, and we had fish and chips there. Um, and then I also had it at a pub that was um, right next to our hotel. Um, but we went to one night, we went to a Spanish restaurant and had some amazing pork. I also tried uh, black pudding or blood sausage for the first time okay. while I was there. Um, not for me, like not bad, not something that I would get regularly um but if it was served with something i would i'd be like oh, i'll have a bite of it but yeah not not particularly the best thing i've ever eaten the spanish pork i think it's called like a birico pork um mm-hmm. was some of the best stuff i've ever had i also had some octopus just like these huge thick octopus tentacles uh that were like super tender you could cut them with a knife they were delicious um what other weird stuff? We okay. So one night we were um, we were quote unquote tired after um, going to some some locations around you know downtown London at night and drinking cold beverages. Yeah. Um, and so we were we were hungry as one might get late at night, and there are not a whole lot of options open. So we actually there's no water burgers. There are taquitos. No, there was McDonald's though. And so we did get McDonald's one night, um, late at night. Again, only stuff's not open late over there, by the way. Like the bars aren't open until 2 a.m. like here. Um, So the bars are, so they close earlier. 
Like, yeah. are they open till like midnight or is it like? So yeah, some of them eleven. I think I think eleven was probably the most common time during the week, um, and then maybe like midnight on the weekends. But yeah, they don't they don't stay open as late. And then like <laughs> attractions don't stay open as late as here. Like everything closes at like five. Um, the half measure is why you lost the Revolutionary War. <laughs> I I think it's actually more of they they're committed to people having a work life balance. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so not so. There's not like a whole bunch of restaurants that are open late, like like we have here. So we got McDonald's at like midnight one night. Um, their menu is different, so they yeah. have they don't have a Big Mac. They have what's called a Grand Big Mac, and it's it's like the same height as a normal Big Mac, but it's wider. Like it's it is a large sandwich. We ordered one of those. Uh, besides that, the nuggets were the exact same, and the and is the, the same those that like. Is it like the same like ingredients, same sauce? Same exact ingredients on the Big Mac. It was just surprisingly enough, the Euro, like the UK Big Mac is significantly larger than the US Big Mac. And it's called a grand Big Mac. Well, see, that's the difference. It's not a Big Mac, it's a grand Big Mac. It's a, so exactly, you think it would be bigger. It's but yeah, surprisingly enough, that was the um <laughs> I was surprised that they had a larger version than we do. But they have um, some things like you. They have like Dominoes and KFC and things like that, right? Oh yeah, like they're 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 every. I there mean, was the a, big chains, you know. A, there was a, a there was an unnerving amount of Five Guys. Like there were a <laughs> lot of Five Guys yeah. around London. Um, five Guys is it's good stuff. Yeah, Five Guys is good, but I was just this is like I don't I didn't expect to see six different locations of this place while I was around. Um, they're kind of big, like quote unquote fast food. There, it's not really fast food. Like, it doesn't have like a drive through, and yeah, um, more it's like kind fast. Of fast cash is is a place called Nando's, which is peri peri okay. chicken, which is really really good. Um, I'm about to get a Nando's and Katie, and I'm very excited about it. Um, we did go to a traditional English restaurant one night. Um, so it was a place called Saint Saint John's Smithfield. Smithfield is the neighborhood in London that it was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it served like traditional English food. So um, we had some, we we all kind of like ordered different stuff and kind of like tried stuff, but we had uh, some lamb's liver. Um, We had some roast kid, uh, which is, you know, as you know, a baby goat. Um, I, I, I ordered for the group, it was called like beef risole or something. I don't know what it was, but it was kind of like a, like a fried ground, like fried beef cake kind of thing. I don't know. It was weird. Um, didn't taste bad though. Uh, then we also did a whole crab. So it was literally just like a boiled crab and, um, uh, a, a fish called hail was another thing that we got. So it was kind of like this strange fish that we wouldn't eat over here um but yeah overall it was it was pretty I gotta solid. Be honest joe you're not making any of this sound appetizing <laughs> yeah except for like wasn't... the fish and chips i was like well yeah that, that sounds like yeah but you can only eat fish and chips somebody i had it twice while i was over there so i drank more again i drank a lot of guinness like guinness was like super readily available over as, there. as one should when yeah. they're in the united kingdom Beer though over there, another thing, their bars don't open as don't stay open as late, and their alcohol content in their beer is much lower than here. Really? Yeah. So like a Guinness was like three percent over there. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, also, I just want to get a good like Guinness pour, you know. Oh, dude, it, it's still delicious, still though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, some of the nicest people that I have met in my entire life, like everyone over there, was really really nice, <laughs> like very welcoming. Um, we in multiple places that we went. So in Windsor Castle, it happened, and when we went to Westminster Abbey, it happened. There are um. There are these people there, I guess, like we would have like a park ranger, right? At like our yeah. national sites, they're still called park rangers. Cause even like, for example, Ford's theater in DC is a quote unquote national park. So like park rangers take care of it. Um, So uh, kind of that equivalent in England, they wear like these red coats. <laughs> um, and they're kind of like security at, at all these places. They kind of make sure you don't like cross any lines or do things that you're not supposed to do, but they're also knowledgeable and can tell you things about where you are and, and guide you if you get lost. So we were at uh, Windsor Castle, which is where the king lives. Uh, he doesn't actually, they don't like, it's like their family home. Um, and so we're like walking around and my wife and I are looking at this massive painting um, on the wall. I mean, it's the size, like as wide of a house. And one of these like red coated people comes up to me and, and and my wife and starts talking to us about the painting. And we're like, Oh yeah, you know, yeah, we're from the U S whatever. Um, and she goes, well, you want to see something really cool? And we said, yeah, we want to see something cool. So she took us like behind the stanchions, like where you're not supposed to go and let us go up to like this cool, like giant bay window over in the corner and like showed us where like the Royal Rose garden is and where like the Royal pool is where, um, as she said, Kate Middleton's children swim during the summer. And I was like, it's kind of weird that you didn't say like Princess Middleton or something because you said his majesty every other time you were talking about the king. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works over there, man. We we don't have kings here. USA. Um, but the even cooler version of that, Matt, was when we were at Westminster Abbey because I don't know if you know this, but a lot of very significant people are buried at Westminster Abbey. One of which is Sir Isaac Newton. Um, so I really wanted to see like Sir Isaac Newton's grave when we went there. It was like the core thing I wanted to see being the nerd that I am. Um, but I don't know if you know this, Matt, but they, you know, the queen died recently. And so now they have a king over there. He has not gone through his like formal coronation yet. Like the actual ceremony. Didn't That's she die how- like in like September? Yes, she did. So his his actual coronation, it's either April or May when it's happening. Um, also found this out while I was there. Coronation does not matter one bit. He became the king the moment she died and he like signed all the paperwork. So it's just a ceremony. Yeah, it's just like a ceremony for the people. Okay. Um, he may not make it. I mean, to the. <laughs> yeah, he may not. Who knows? But they're prepared. The coronation happens in Westminster Abbey. So they are preparing. Okay the Abbey for like the King's coronation. So some parts of it were blocked off. Um, So I went and I asked one of the, the red coated people. I was like, Hey, I've been walking around. I can't find Sir Isaac Newton. Can you tell me where to find him? And he goes, Oh, he's actually in the blocked off area. But if you go over there, find a person that's wearing one of the jackets, tell them that you want to see him and they may let you, they may let you through. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I do exactly what the guy tells me to do. And I get, and it's at the very end when you're like about to exit the Abbey And I walked up to one of the people and I just said, hey, can you tell me um, where Isaac Newton is? I heard he was over this way. And she said, oh, he's off in the blocked off area. But do you want to go see him? 
just like very cordially and just like matter of fact, like, do you want to go see him? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I would. And so she unlocks the stanchion and lets me through. And I get to like, while all the tourists and everything are like blocked off from walking in the main area that is Westminster Abbey, this security person just opens the gate for me and lets me, I got to walk across the Abbey with just my wife and two friends. Um, the four of us and just the four of us got to walk up to Isaac Newton's grave, take pictures of his memorial um, and see like it's called the Hall of Scientists. Um, so like right next to him is uh, where Stephen Hawking is buried. Hmm. He has uh, the coolest gravestone that I've ever seen. It's like a like a it's like a big black piece of marble with what looks like a black hole carved into it. And then above the black hole, it says, here lies what was mortal of Stephen Hawking. Um, uh, we found out that they had like, you know, a, a memorial to FDR there, like super cool. Um, there is a statue of Martin Luther King carved into the side of Westminster Abbey, um, where there's like a cool. row of martyrs. Cool. Cool. Um, cool. But yeah, like it was, yeah. Westminster Abbey, man, that was one of the coolest places that we saw. Um, but yeah, overall great trip. If you, if, if you're thinking about going to uh somewhere in europe on vacation any matt or anybody else that's listening i london is i mean i think london's the coolest city i've ever been to um so cooler than anywhere i've been to in the united states and i've been a lot of places here well joe you know what wasn't that cool of a trip was a baylor basketball trip to denver yeah they got knocked out in the second round again knocked out um, second round by creighton while i was in london i watched zero sports it was I, I didn't like consume any media. So was there like was, was there options <clears throat> to watch the the games, the March Madness? I didn't even there? try. Okay. Did not try. Okay. I'm sure that's like um other stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. We were we were quite busy. And you're in things. I mean, you're in a foreign country, you're a place you've never been before, and seeing the sites taking in the different cuisine. It probably wouldn't come up like, you know what, I want to watch this basketball game. <laughs> as exciting as it was for us here, it's probably, I probably wouldn't have watched any basketball either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did see that we lost um, and, and in both the Big 12 tournament and in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, I I was back in town when we were playing in that second round game, but I was texting you while while it was going on. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not watching this. I was like, there's no point. I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't need this in my life right now. Yeah. The problem is, um, we don't have, we didn't have a good defense this year, all year. And especially in the middle, we have no really contribution or have in the last part of the season, especially from our center. So, we, there's no rebounding, there's no defense, there's no scoring. So it's like, it's frustrating. Yeah, I think this was a, it was a highly talented yet flawed team, I think is the best way to describe this yeah. team. They they were fun when, when they were at their very best. They were a team that could yeah. beat anybody in the country. When they're shooting in threes, yeah, it's fun. But that's the problem is that they're... The flaws were so so glaring that if you couldn't cover them up for an extended period of time, you were going to lose. And yeah, that's all year, basically. 
Yeah. And, and that's okay. Like you don't have to be national championship good every year. This was a team that finished in the top half of the best conference in basketball. This is a team that was a high seed in the tournament. This was a team that won a tournament game. Like they were 500 in the NCAA tournament. They went one and one. Um, is it disappointing because you didn't make it to the alliteration rounds like the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you want to make those things. Um, but uh, I can't complain. We won a national championship two years ago. Uh, we have some major recruits coming in next year. Um, and we're we're what less than a year away from being able to to sit in a brand new arena as well. So yeah, um, we'll start off in. We'll start off in the Feral and then move in and then and move to the conference yeah. play in 2024. Yeah. So um, not a whole lot to complain about uh, on the men's side of things. Um, this is this is kind of what I thought this team was. I, I, I've, I said, I think, a few times on Our Daily Bears that uh, I viewed this team's ceiling as like a Sweet 16 Elite 8 team. Um, like that was I thought I thought that yeah. was like a, a Sweet 16. I thought was a reasonable expectation um unfortunately i think kind of like luck of the draw they drew a really really good creighton team um that that had one of their best games of the year we and we played honestly not a great game against them uh and and creighton moved on rightfully so so i think i think this team landed right about where um they should have uh if if we're being honest it was a top 20 team and you know what i think they they end, they'll they'll end up being in that in that top twenty at the end of the year. They were at least made it to the round of thirty two. Um, so um, I wouldn't call this a disappointment, but it's still not a um, exciting year that I think a lot of people will want to remember. Yeah, I think there's some work to do. We need to fill some holes. I know we got guys coming in, like you talked about, talented recruits coming in next year. I still think we probably need to hit the uh, – and I, I know Scott Drew will hit the transfer portal f- to fill holes. Uh, I think there was kind of like a maybe vocal leadership element missing that we had in previous years um, that just wasn't wasn't there this year. And definitely need to do something about having a strong big man other than Jonathan Chamochachua, who's coming back off of injury this year. Yeah, or much better next uh, year. The growth and maturity of Josh O too. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm excited if I'm really being honest, and I've said this to multiple people that I know this year. I'm I I wasn't as excited about this year's team as I am as as I'm excited about the team two years from now. Like not even next year's team. It's the one the year after that. I think because be... I don't think Langston Love is going anywhere. No, um, Langston Love. I don't think Josh O is going anywhere. LJ and... Quarter, Josh O. Um, Everyday John. The team two years from now, I think, is going to be um... Bridges. You know, I think those guys are coming back. Well, not yeah, they'll be back next year, but not two years. From not now. two years. But no, no, no. The the recruits <laughs> that we're going to be grabbing along the way that we already have in the pipeline over the next two years that I don't think are one and dones. Um, I wish. I think, I think that team two years from now is going to be crazy dangerous. You know how? I mean, I know this isn't feasible, but I really wish that Keontae had would stay one more year. Nah, I don't for his for his own growth because I think he has things he could work on in college. Yeah, he can go grow. He's not a perfect prospect right go, now. Go make he got go make money. Go make money. If if the world was a just place, he would have never played at Baylor and he would have been drafted into the NBA already. Like. 
The dude deserves to go be a millionaire because he's really good at basketball. Go, go do that. That's what I would tell him. <laughs> like as a Baylor fan, would I love to see him continue to yeah. play here? Like, see, I'm looking sure. at it from a Baylor fan. Like, I would like to have one more year with Keontae. Sure, on the team. But, Another but, year of growth and development, and go make your but money. I don't blame him. Like, I, I, I don't like holding anything against him. Absolutely, go get your money. No doubt about it. I'm just selfishly saying I wish we had another year. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, go get your money, buddy. You deserved it. You, you, you have earned it. Go make some cash. And on the women's side, another loss in the second round. Um, had a, the first round game was a a great comeback, eighteen point comeback. And then you drew win. a UConn. And even though it wasn't, yeah. even though it's not UConn, UConn in, this year. And you're in stores, you're, you know, you're in UConn, basically at UConn, playing UConn. It's like you, the first half was really close, played really good. And, but it, they just, UConn just kind of turned to a different level in the second half and kind of pulled away. Yeah. It's UConn. You, you don't expect to beat UConn in the tournament. You just you just can't expect that to happen. Yeah, and I was talking about I was talking with this someone today. Like, if you can be competitive, and and this is just from my perspective, if the women's team can be competitive for Big Twelve championships, and not and not have to win like twenty in a row, twelve in a row, whatever, but just be competitive and be in the mix, and then be like a sweet sweet sixteen, maybe elite eight level team consistently. That's I'm good. That's 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 yeah. what I want for my women's basketball team. That's that's Michigan State right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean <laughs> like you're not always gonna be uh you know and maybe I'm being naive, but I'm like I'm like you can't dynasties don't be, last forever. Yeah, it's just the way it is. They just we, don't Baylor had a great run, had a Hall of Fame coach, maybe not the best person. In the world, but a Hall of they Fame may have coach. a Hall of Fame coach right now. We don't even they know may, yet. I think they have a great coach. I love her. And I love Nikki Collin. I think I love the offense a million percent more than the previous offense. Yeah. And so it's a fun basketball. I love them three people on both men and women, they they are, you know, gnashing of teeth and they love to complain about just shooting threes. Right. But that's modern basketball. Yeah. Welcome to what recruits want to see you do. And yeah, sometimes you're not going to hit threes and you're going to miss a lot of shots, but it's fun basketball. It's going to score a lot of points. I mean, I, I don't know the last time I had a women's basketball game with that high scoring because everyone's shooting threes. Yeah. It and is it's fun basketball. You want people to watch women's basketball. Make it fun basketball to watch. Yeah, go watch Caitlin Clark play. Like, go watch Caitlin Clark. Yeah, she looks like Steph Curry out there. Go watch Louisville play. Yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be sad if I lost too. That so it's best. like, <laughs> that was. Did you see that? No, oh, the Texas Louisville. Yeah, that that, that quote from her. <laughs> I saw. So I was I was watching a TikTok, and someone they're trying to break down the lip reading, and. Some they think they said they like, I guess the Texas player said, congrats on All-American Honorable Mention is what they called her. After you lost. 
Now again, yeah. this is a I lip mean, read. This got, is a lip reader, the, so it's not the, accurate. She got the last word in though in the press conference because yeah. that's the one of the most savage things I've ever heard. Was people get sad when they lose? Yeah. I would be sad too. <laughs> I love it. I love any kind of back and forth, especially at Texas expense. It's just so exhilarating to me. Yeah. No, I think I think the women's team is um is on the right track. This is considering <laughs> what she lost two years ago and then what she lost last year, it's it's amazing um what she has been able to, and to you see the talent pull out that she's team. brought in from this year. Yeah. And, and what we have in the future, what the, the future looks around. like for Baylor women's basketball. So I think everyone needs to just enjoy the ride because it's, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, of course. But I think the the highs are going to be way uh, more frequent than the lows. Yeah, I agree with you. We are we are calling apologists on the Bear Den. Absolutely, absolutely. You can get out of here with any kind of like. Any kind of uh, nostalgia for the previous uh, coach because yeah. we will not, we don't abide by that here. Absolutely. All right. Well, basketball season's done. It's over. What's well, done for Baylor? However, the tournament's still going on. There's still underdogs and upsets and unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook, the biggest tournament in college basketball, is here. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Go to the app, opt in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you get a bonus bet back up to $10. So during the first and second round, Joe, did you have any upsets or did you do a bracket? I know you were gone most of the most of the tournament, but did you have any kind of upsets on your bracket? Man, I haven't even. That's a good point. I I did a bracket at the airport. I want to say. I don't remember when I did. I did. I did do a bracket just because I was like, oh, I can't not do it. But I haven't even looked at my bracket. Did you like the ODB bracket? Did you do one of those? That did you join that one, or did you do a separate one? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I can't remember. <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you. I was so I was so focused, man. Just, flying out of the country and leaving your child behind. Um. Is a stressful prep filled event. So that's what I was really focused on before we left. Um, but uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to lie to everybody and say I picked Fairly Dickinson to beat Purdue. You did? No, I didn't at all. It was hilarious. Um, I would love to see the stats. Like, if, like, how many people just put random money on that on DraftKings? Um, probably how many people use like their $5 free bet on that? <laughs> and, uh, or their 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 stress free bet, um, and actually hit on it because I I can't even imagine what the odds were. Well, I know there's like someone put money like line. someone put like a someone rich obviously put like a thirty thousand dollar bet on Fairly Dickinson and won something like eight hundred thousand dollars. Something crazy. Yeah, number. like I can't yeah, imagine crazy what the money line what the money line was on that game. So yeah. Um, but definitely everyone out there, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. You can sign up with code TPPN. New customers get a $5, $5 bet up 
$5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, use your use the uh use that two hundred dollars to do something crazy and win. So I mean, I want to, you know, that's kind of all the basketball we got going on. Um, so we we've talked a lot about you know media rights in the past on the podcast. Um, and we, here we sit. It is March twenty third, and uh, the Pac twelve still doesn't have a media rights deal, and things aren't looking great, Joe. Yeah, um, Pac twelve. I think they're saying like the second week of April is when everybody's going to meet again. They just met two days ago. Um, yeah, but there's reports out that like Fox and ESPN, like they're officially like walked away from negotiations. Yeah, I have seen I haven't heard about ESPN officially, but I have seen CBS like CBS reported um, that Fox is not involved whatsoever. So, yeah, like, so and I, we already kind of knew that, like that yeah. Fox and ESPN. They, yeah, that's away. been reported. Absolutely. That, that they had, you know, they've walked away. They're not kind of negotiating with the Pac-12. There was a report from a Pac-12 uh, insider, I guess, that said like Fox still negotiations and then the CBS report and then Brett Murphy from the action network. He also reported that the Fox is not in negotiations with the PAC 12. Yeah. So I don't know if they're talking about like um, sub licensing because Apple does that sometimes like they do with the MLS where they'll, they have the rights, but they'll sub sub license the rights to like a, a linear cable provider to like simulcast matches or games or whatever. But as a as just like directly negotiating like Fox and there have been reports I've seen that ESPN is also not directly involved at this point. Yeah, and with all the statements of of Disney and ABC and and ESPN and the the whole conglomerate that does exist there that yeah they're going to be more quote unquote selective about yeah, the Bob content. Bob Iger, which, who took back over purchase. took back over Disney um, CEO. And said like they can be more selective with content. So yeah, so um yeah, I, I am still thinking that what you're going to see is um uh, it's gonna be like Apple or Amazon. I just I don't know how they end up on linear TV. I just I don't the, know who's the only way is the only way I can think is that they they end up having some type of deal with Fox or ESPN where they sub license content where it's like it's streaming on Apple. It also gonna... wouldn't surprise me if these reports that are saying like Fox is not negotiating or ESPN is not negotiating. That doesn't mean that um, Fox or ESPN or both of them have not already negotiated with the Pac-12 and no. have left final offers with them. Like, yeah, I mean, I, they Neil, could have walked away right. from the table saying it's on the table, take it or leave it. Yeah, but this is the best it's going to be. Absolutely. I think that what it says they're not going to up their number to negotiate with the Pac-12. Like right. They probably do have an offer like this is what your this is what our offer is. It's kind of like a take it or leave it type of deal because we're because they are not. Pac-12 doesn't have leverage because why wouldn't ESPN or Fox negotiate with no one else is ne- trying to get those rights? Yeah. So no one else. I mean, it would not surprise is. me if in a week or two weeks or three weeks or at some point this summer, 
we hear like the the Pac-12 signs deal with Fox or the Pac the Pac-12 signs deal with ESPN, and everybody's going to be like, oh, all these reporters were lying that the that saying that they weren't negotiating. Like, no, it wouldn't surprise no. me because I I I do believe that but the Fox numbers going to be low. Have given the Pac-12, like here's here's what we would pay you, take it or leave it, and you know, come call us if you ever want to do it. Yeah, and the, my thing is this, like. You have presidents out here saying we're going to get more than a Big 12. We're going to get like 50 million. Klavkov had said like we're going to do like we're looking at like 50 million per school. My thing is like you may have oversold what your value was. Oh, yeah, that's been that since the beginning. But they 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 and I think that's why everybody believes why what is happening right now is what's happening is because. The Pac-12 as a whole believed that they were worth something and went to the market and the market said, we're not going to give you that. And they kind of laughed and said, well, <laughs> we'll get it from somebody. Um, and now they're kind of stuck in this place where um, if they take, if they take something less than the big 12 is getting, or the same that the big 12 is getting per school, uh, then everybody will laugh at them. And then um, so, so at that point, they're just kind of sitting here, like playing it out to it's almost like when you have the first pick in, in the NFL draft, right? You don't, even if you know, you've got a home run guy. That's the guaranteed number one overall pick. You don't do it when you have 15 minutes on the clock, you wait till the last second, just yeah. in case a team calls you up and is going to sell the farm for that pick. And you're willing to take that trade. So you, you wait. And that's what I think everybody's assuming is going on with the PAC 12 right now is they're, opening like they're opening as many doors as they possibly can negotiating with every single possible network that they could possibly you know negotiate with whether it's linear whether it is streaming um whether it's like some kind of cable network that we've never heard of like ion tv um i think that they're 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 looking under every single rock that they possibly can because they're hoping that that 11th hour comes and somebody decides to to give them an exorbitant amount of money, and that's just not going to happen. I, I think we could be wrong. Um, that's that uh, to me in my mind is like that goes against like basic economics. Yeah, they 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 have no leverage is the problem. I mean, like, so, why would someone do that when they're not bidding against anybody? Yeah the the only thing at this point that the pack has going for them is that they fit nicely into a time slot that a lot of other schools don't fit into um regularly but the problem with that is there's only so many people that are watching yeah. during that time so it's not like you're filling a bunch of content slots late at night and with the way that the big 12 sits right now we've already got one school that can do that regularly for their home games and the rest of us can play at nine o'clock Eastern. Like, yeah. you know, if you told if you told me there was an eight p.m. kickoff for Baylor and Waco, I'd be like, oh, oh, that's annoying. But it's you know, if you want to kick us off at nine p.m. Eastern, like you could do that. Um, yeah, so it's I mean, we've it's, done it. We did it last year when we played in Provo. Yeah, and well, it, and that made sense because we were already that far west. But yeah, um, it'd be it'd be kind of rough to do that. You couldn't do it up. for like UCF. You couldn't do it for West Virginia, no. but you could do it with the Central Time Zone teams if you really, really wanted to. Um, but also, and ESPN already has like so you have those Big Twelve schools because you already have a deal with Big Twelve, but you also have a deal with Mountain West. They do have a deal with. You the can Mountain always West. fill those slots with Mountain West. Yeah, games. 
at Hawaii. So, I mean, you, you could always fill those games. Why is going to always kick late? Because they're in a completely different time zone than everyone mm-hmm. else, and you're never you don't run into any issues kicking off late in on the continental United States, whether it be West Coast, Central, or East Coast. Here's here's the other if thing, Matt. Fox can too, because now like FS1 can have yeah. a, a nine Eastern kick with a USC game. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need those Pac-12 schools to fill those slots, and the, like you said, there's limited there's limited slots. Yeah, you have it's a like smaller pool of viewers that yeah. are watching that at night, so you yeah. don't need to have ESPN Plus loaded with content at 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. You just need noon. to cover the major net. You need to cover ESPN and probably ESPN two, and and if you can do that, then you're you're gonna you're gonna pull the viewers that'll be watching during those hours anyway. So. Um, my gut feeling without having any knowledge is that the numbers are probably going to be low when they finally do have some kind of deal and someone's going to, if you believe rumors, there's already a couple schools who already like, if the number's not right, we're, we're done. My so. best guess. And again, this is, this is me without having any knowledge my best guess is that they land closer to the Big 12 than any of us expect. I think it will be slightly lower, but not significantly lower. And I think the Pac-12, at least in the short term, I do believe they will sign a short-term deal with somebody. I think most likely it's going to be kind of some Amazon-Apple uh, combination with maybe some like regional cable networks thrown in um, so that they're like on linear TV, at least locally or something like that. Uh, but I think it'll be I think it'll be close to the Big 12. It will not be low enough to where it's like such a significant number that schools are ready to jump. But I think the deal is only going to be between three and five years long. I think it'll be a very short term deal. Um, and then there will be another round of conference realignment in some way um, within the next three to five years. And whether that's some kind of merger between. Uh, the Big 12, the Pac-12, maybe the ACC gets involved. Maybe schools get poached. Maybe we see expansion of the SEC and Big 10 again. Um, I don't know what that looks like. But I think I think in the very short term, within the next one to three years, the Pac-12 will stay together and will we'll sit there as like the fourth level um, money conference. But it won't be like so significantly below what the Big 12 is earning. I think, see, I go the opposite way. I think it's going to be significantly below. The and when I say that, I mean like the total number, gotcha. not just like the you know, like the tier one rights, but I'm talking like all revenue when you when you bake in the NCAA tournament, whatever the playoff distribution turns out to be, plus the other revenue streams that the Big 12 is in, embarking on in uh, starting in 2024 and in the future. There's a report that came out so that from the Sports Business Journal today, they're gonna do like a a data rights deal with with a company where they're going to a revenue producing so essentially they're going to sell like their data to i presume like this is with no knowledge but i presume we're talking about a, some type of betting apparatus where you're going to sell data and statistics to a, a betting site of some sort and generate revenue that way and the the report I saw was they they could expect up to four to six million per school in additional revenue. Um, 
And then today the news came out that they have uh, they're doing that uh, exhibition game with uh, Rucker Park in New York City with the basketball. So I mean, yeah, Big it's gonna be a full moves. camp with Big Twelve coaches as well. Yeah, Big Twelve coaches. I think that's this summer they're doing, yes. and then in twenty twenty four they're gonna have like exhibition games with women's and men's exhibition games at Rucker Park in New York. So I mean, I mean, you hear all this about the Big Twelve making moves and and having these like thinking outside the box, and then on the other side on the West Coast there's like silence. There's just so much to do out there, Matt. Which I agree, there is. There's the beach, the oh, mountains. Man. I mean, I mean, there's. Plus, I mean, in there, like it was, it was just St. Patrick's Day. I mean, they can't, they can't be working on these holidays. Yeah. They gotta, they gotta take their time off. I, I think the, the only thing that I think is clear to me right now is that the pack will not be expanding at least over the next year. And my thing is, like, I, I, it's feasible what you, your scenario that you you posed, like that they they do get a, some type of deal done, and it's not significantly less than the Big Twelve, and it's palatable to the members of the conference for you know whatever five years, whatever the whatever the the term is on that contract. But I think the if you're reading the tea leaves, it's. It's almost like you're just kicking the can down the road. Inevitably, that conference is going to break up. Maybe. Everybody thought that about us, though. That's what I keep going back to is everybody thought that about us, and we somehow just did it. I think there's a – I think there's still – to me, it seems like the Pac-12 is still trying to negotiate like it's 2005. And yeah, I don't think I don't think they have great leadership. I don't think they're doing things well. Yeah. But it, I as more time goes on, I feel more and more petty growing with them. And that is that was like I felt like the glue that kept the Big 12 together. That's what kept the hateful eight together was yeah, that, that pettiness that we all felt towards everybody else for rooting for us to fail and yeah, thinking but- that Thinking the, that we could just we were a thing to be plucked. The big difference and, is we didn't have Oregon and Washington who thinks they're better than everybody else. Or maybe not Washington so much. You didn't have Oregon. That's like if the Big Twelve would have broken up. It was like the lat when AM left and Texas said, Well, we'll stay, but you're gonna have to do this, that, and the other, and we're gonna have to get a bigger share because we're Texas. That's what Oregon's has that same stance. That's true. That is true. I mean, but this last still, time it was it like everyone was to be equal. seen if if anybody like if the Big Ten wants Oregon and Washington. Yeah, Big Ten doesn't have a president yet or a commi- I shouldn't say I'm sorry, a commissioner. So um, it is. Well, I don't even think it has to do with that. It was even when they were doing after they did their deal where they got just an ungodly amount of money. Um, f- from what I had read and heard was that they didn't take Oregon and Washington because Oregon and Washington would have diluted the, would have kind of diluted the amount of money that everybody got. Like they were not when, you know, NBC and Fox um, did not see Oregon and Washington coming over as equal. You know, I think it's what $70 million that they're getting. Like if I'm Oregon and Washington, I'd probably, you're still going to make more money if you took like 50% of a, a share. Yeah, but again, like, does the Big Ten want to do that? Like that, 
at the I end of the Oregon's day, the Big, Ten, the Big Ten legitimately operates different than everybody else. Yeah. They really do. I, I still, th- I still would hold. I think Oregon's viable. Yeah, but as do you a, want you? You've got USC and UCLA, and you're going to have to figure out how to make, you know, Rutgers and Maryland work with that. Do you want to add yeah. two more? Like well, that's I mean, I th- the. I think that's coming into their thoughts too. Plus the big, the biggest elephant in the room, and I think the biggest problem that Oregon and Washington are going to run into when it comes to the Big Ten is the Big Ten's always going to stay even. They're never going to go odd, and. Uh, they want one thing before they'll go after the other thing, which is Notre Dame. And they, I don't think Notre Dame will never go into join a conference. It, they may be forced to. You, we don't know what the new playoff is going to look like. If we reach a point where conference affiliation becomes a major sticking yeah. point with accessing the playoff, Notre Dame's hand may be forced. But to, it's to not. It's not yet. Right. And they're about to do a new deal in 2025. So right now, Notre Dame has a place at the table because you have the outlet at large bids. And I don't I don't think the Big Ten is going to make a move on Oregon or Washington until um, they know for a fact that long term Notre Dame is either coming or going or, or staying put. So like, like I would think that's so, what the Big Ten wants more than it's going to be else. another like 10 year deal, though, because like the first playoff was like 2014 to 20. True. But in 2025, they may come through and say like, you know, and they can always yeah. change the rules in the middle of things True. like they can come in and say, like, you have to win a conference championship game to make it in, um, you know, something along those lines, like um, or if Notre Dame just like if people stop scheduling them, like for whatever reason, you never know what's going to happen. Never there. going to happen. It's um, Notre fucking Dame. You're never so, going to stop scheduling them. You know, I still, I still think there's a scenario where they, where they kind of have their hand forced, and the, the whole idea of being an independent team goes away. Um, and I think, I think the Big Ten wants to see a little bit more clarity on that. We're in an awkward stage of college football right now because we just I don't think they'll don't, ever join a conference. We don't know what the, we don't know what the, the sport's going to look like in two years, and it's, it's strange to say. But I don't, I honestly don't know. Two years from now is I don't know. I can't guarantee you the Big Twelve will exist two years from now. Yeah. So I had this conversation today. Uh, we were watching basketball with a friend, and we we're talking about you know are we still rooting for teams? Are we rooting against teams? You know, kind of in a conference. And I said, well, I'll root for Arkansas. You know, then and he was like, well, yeah, but SEC. And my my retort with that was like, well, pretty soon we're all going to be SEC. I mean, you're either going to be SEC or Big 12 pretty soon. Big 10. You mean. Big 10. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, you're going to be in tier two. Or you're going to be out of it. Yeah. Out of the big boys. I mean, that's kind of what it's going to come down to. I think, I think, well, I think we'll, we'll be out of it. I'm kind of positive. Uh, I'm kind of positive about Baylor, actually. I, I, I have never believed we were, we would be pulled along for the ride. Only reason, only reason I'm positive about Baylor is because, uh, Money talks. Yeah, it's sometimes. I mean, Baylor probably shouldn't have been in the Big Twelve in the first place, but we were. Yeah. Hey, look, and, and you know, it's not my fault that other schools weren't good enough to to be able to get a governor elected. I mean, so I mean, we'll see what comes of that. But 
it's, it's, let's it be honest though, the ba- Baylor did deserve that spot because they weren't they needed a they needed a private school and we were and SMU wasn't an option and we were better than TCU at that time. So boom. Houston can get off their high horse. They were never going to take another public school. They needed a private school for the rules back then. So plus, I mean, you're you're a commuter school. Yeah, they are. They are. Come on. Let's be yeah. let's get real about this. You're not the University of Texas. All right, Matt. We've been talking about TV <laughs> deals. Let's talk about TV. Before that, Joe. Oh, what do you got? Something else happened. What happened? Football. Spring football started. Oh, that's not real football. It is real football. There's news. There's happenings. There's, there's moves happening. No, there's not. Nothing's happening. Yeah. David Rand is talking about how he's too nice to everybody. And Sawyer Robertson threw some balls and is taller than Blake Shaven. Here's the thing. There's moves. There you go. There, there, there's your coverage this week. Bryson Jackson has been moved to safety from linebacker. Which I think is a good move. AJ McCarty was moved from cornerback to safety. Also, a good move because he had some issues playing corner over the course of the year. Um, we got things that happen. It's football. Yeah, and Sawyer Robertson's taller than Blake Shapen. Sawyer Roberts. I mean, it, did you did you listen or watch the press conference or whatever he did after I the watched- first practice? I watched him throw a football for 15 seconds. No, I mean, next not, to Blake not not him. I'm talking about like Dave Aranda. I I saw his clip where he said his he said his you know he was too nice to people thing. So I watched the whole like the 15 minute like whatever it was press conference or question and answer period. And when he did talk about quarterbacks, I mean, he absolutely like did gush about Sonny Robertson. Not just that he he's those balls. He's good big. Or he's big. It's like he's, he's big. I can tell you that he's comes in. He's like he's he's here before I get here watching film. He he poke his head out and I'm getting coffee that type of thing. But I mean, it was absolutely like he was like had a gleam in his eye talking about Sawyer Robertson. He is also wearing number thirteen, and I have yeah. respect for people that wear thirteen. And he does look the part, no doubt about it. Yeah, he's he like six four. 215 something like that yeah he's he's i will say in in the clip that i saw it was it was just him and blake shape and warming up next to each other uh in shorts they were in shorts and pads and i was like oh yeah he's he looks more like a quarterback than shape does and i was i'll pose a question to you i'll pose to someone else if all things are equal after spring who would you go with Blake Shaven. If everything's equal, in, I'll take. I, like, they they perform the exact same. I'll take the guy that has more experience in the offense. I think I'll go the other way. I think I would rather. If all things are equal, I'm gonna go with the, the young guy. I've seen know. Blake Shaven play a full season. Sure. And so uh, let's see what the kid has. Yeah, I, I I I say you go with the devil. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Although I I will say this, I am absolutely one hundred percent confident that we will not have a name starter in spring. Oh, absolutely! He's not, not going to do. They will he's not, not going to do that. They're again. not naming a starter until September. Yeah, he's not going to do that again. That's yeah. he's not worried about shape and transferring. So I, um, yeah, and it's it's also it's a different dynamic because. Um, Gary was like, 
He had like, Gary only had one year left. One year left, and he ended up getting hurt. So I think he may have a medical redshirt. I don't know how that all works out, but it's different with Blake because he has multiple years of eligibility remaining. Correct. Um, yeah, what Dave did for Gary was a courtesy to basically say, like, oh, we'll figure this out now. So that way, if you want to spend your last year of college starting, you can find somewhere that'll make you a starter. Um, no, yeah, I I fully agree. You're not gonna hear anything spring, we're not gonna hear anything summer. Um, it would not okay, it may surprise me here because I don't think Dave Miranda is this kind of coach. He's not like hold everything to my to our to his vest. He seems to be very open. Um yeah, but it is not outside the realm of possibility that we don't know who the starter is until like a couple days before the first game. Now the team yeah. will know, I believe before then, like I they'll have, I think, we'll I think what we'll hear is we'll get that first depth chart. I, and I bet you in the very first depth chart that we get, it's going to say Blake Shapen or Soros or Sawyer Robertson. It's not going to have a true one on there. It'll have like before Texas state. Like, yeah, it'll have that, the classic that week one. Or. Okay. They yeah. they love to use that word or on the depth chart. So it'll say Blake Shapen or Soria Robertson. But I, I think we'll we'll hear from like Colt Barber or Ashley Hodge or somebody from 365. I guarantee you we'll hear something like uh, nobody has been named a starter yet, but X player has been taking the most reps with the first team in practice. And so I think we'll have like an idea of it because we'll they'll be out there or they'll hear rumors of you know, either Sawyer or Blake yeah. was the guy that took 75% of the first team snaps. So that probably means that they're the starter. I'm betting that's how we find out. I think they'll hear, yeah, they'll hear from like probably coaches or staff saying like, this is, the, I mean, this is the guy. I think, but I mean, but, before we hear that officially, I think that's going to be what we're hearing is, yeah. you know, early, early ball at the beginning of the year, a couple of weeks before game one i'm guessing we're going to hear some stuff come through the grapevine of like either sawyer or blake or taping taking more snaps with the first team we'll still get that or on the depth chart and then i think like aranda's official pre-game press conference before the texas state game that's when he'll say yeah we've decided his name either sawyer or blake the starter i think that's when we'll hear it i mean on the other side i i do like the move of bryson jackson too star basically i mean it says safety but i'm pretty sure he's he's practicing with the the star group um and i i kind of like that move he's an athlete it depends on i don't know about coverage so much but i think with as far as like line of scrimmage playing the run and he is a former linebacker just like there's only one linebacker only one thing i want to hear about from you on defense matt Hmm. have you heard anything about josh white so the linebacker group is interesting because Josh White is presumably who you would want to take over for the Mike position, I think, because he's he's a he's a big kid. He is not the most fluid in the hips that you that you would see, but he has like great straight line speed, sideline to sideline speed. So he it's but. From what I've seen, there's been kind of been limited media access so far, so you don't get to see a lot. And it's only been like one or two practices. Um, but the the linebacker group is interesting because you have the also the transfer from Liberty that comes in um as well. So he has a lot more experience as a starter in you know FBS football. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic because not only those two guys, you also have Matt Jones in the mix. Um, 
So that whole, like, who ends up being the starting Will, starting Mike, and how that all breaks down will be one of the more interesting dynamics of spring ball. Okay, I can take that answer. That's a fair answer. So Joe, but I I assume assume we'll get we'll we'll hear more when we when we when when all the little birdies start chirping about about yeah. who's who's throwing with the first team. We'll let y'all know. Yeah, there's we'll like what 15 practices, and it culminates in like the uh, green and gold game on April was it 21st, 22nd. Big to dos out it's at the uh, McLean April Stadium. April 22nd because that's when my son's uh, birthday party. Oh yeah, is, so they're that's why I won't big, be there. They're gonna have the the cook off with. Uh, Blake, Blackburn, all all those people, and we'll see what we got going on. Hop on over to the uh, ODB Discord. Maybe we can get something scheduled and planned. Yeah. Speaking of, we, we our tailgate planning has begun as well for next year. Yes, yes, it has, and it's a plan in progress. It's going to be fancier than if you came to if you came to tailgate with us last year. It will be fancier this year, so be prepared. We are, we are getting organized with with our tailgate friends as you as we speak. So, absolutely, and so uh, keep your uh, eyes and ears open for that. So, Joe, do you want to move on to our what everyone comes here for? Yeah, let's let's our- let's, let's talk. Uh... You want, what do we want to start with? Did you? Ha, okay, okay. I guess my you're going to ask me. Am I caught up on Last of Us? I have watched four episodes of The Last of Us. I'm okay. going to ask you: Are you caught up on Ted Lasso? No, I've watched zero episodes of Ted Lasso. No Ted Lasso. Okay, so no Ted Lasso. I am halfway through Last of Us. There's nine episodes. Okay. I've watched four. Um, so, uh, I, I am. Give by the your... time we record next <clears throat> week, we can do a we can do a full series recap on that one. Um, I just want to touch on it. Um. What are your feelings so far after the four episodes? Um, really, my major key takeaway is Bill and Frank is the greatest love story that has ever been put to television. Wasn't that was like, I after I watched that one, I was like, this may be the greatest episode of television I've ever seen. This it was, it was so just like. It was so well done. It was it was sad and heartwarming at the same time. And it felt realistic in a way, you know, like. Um, yeah, even though it's set in this like post-apocalyptic yeah, exactly. world. Like, yeah. It, I don't know. Like it didn't it didn't it didn't feel flawed and it felt genuine. And um I know the other day or a few episodes ago, you were telling me that Dave Batista had the best range or something uh, as an actor. Was it a um, wrestler, former wrestler? Okay, as a former wrestler, yeah. because I think because uh, Nick Offerman, man, is is just so good. It's wild and, stuff. Uh, wild stuff from Nick Offerman. Yeah, and yeah, the Bill and Frank episode was like, I was like, this is just like the sweetest thing ever, and um. But besides that, it was funny. I was, my wife was asking me how I felt about the show um, before we started recording tonight. And I said, it's different now that I have when I watch dystopian shows. It's different now that I have a kid because here I want to get your opinion on this. I have ever since like the first time I saw my first like zombie movie back in high school. Um, 
and of you know of course when you start watching like the dystopian stuff or like the you know the fast virus or zombie horde or whatever takes over the earth in a matter of days leaving um sparse survivors to 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 fight with people or whatever um i have always known for a fact that if anything like that would ever happen in real life i would just kill myself just like immediately i'd just be like no i'm i don't want to be eaten or like consumed by whatever this disease or zombie horde is and also, if I were to survive it, I don't want to live in whatever version of the world exists after this because it doesn't seem like it's fun. Um, so I've always just been the kind that's of, like, yeah, I just like bullet to the brain. I'm done. Um, what about you? Are you that kind of person or would you try to survive? Huh. Um, so like I have the. So I'm looking at this from like a last of us like point of view, but I've seen the whole series, so. But we've all seen like post-apocalyptic. Yeah, like think about like thinking of like Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, no, I would think I'd probably be the kind of guy like I'm gonna try to survive. Okay, so you would now, go for it. I may be the type of person like I may be forced to do horrible things, but I'm gonna try to live as. I mean, also we both we both are our parents, so it's that that kind of. See, and that's what I told Kelly tonight. And because I said, it's weird watching a dystopian show for me now that I'm a dad because it's like before, like when it was just me, like, yeah, I don't care. Like, sure, I'm going to die. But now it's like, I don't want him to have to deal with that alone. And I want him to survive. Like, like, so now it's like, I I don't know. It throws my brain. That's why, like, watching the first episode hit me so hard. Because the first half, you kind of get like, you spend time with Sarah, who's Joe's daughter. Spoilers for uh, Last of Us. Yeah. Um, and then it ends badly for her. And and I look at this from like a perspective of a father of daughters or father period, and then it's just gut wrenching. And then you see like the jump and how this has affected this man. 20 years down the road and I can relate, you know? Yeah. So it's very yeah, like, it, it is so strange that, and I, I feel like I'm like cliche dad right now, but I was always the kind of like people that I knew that had kids. They'd always be like, Oh, things change when you're a parent. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like I get it. Yeah. Things change when you're a parent. I know I'm sure it does. And then now I'm a parent. I'm like, Oh shit. does really change. Like you just think about things differently. The the yeah. weirdest shit too. Like I'm thinking like, m- because I'm a dad, I think about the show, the last of us different. <laughs> I can't wait to finish it and have the same discussion. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure I, so where I have just ended, uh, uh, Joel and Ellie, um, are in an unidentified city right now. Um, in the city, I think is where they're at. Oh, cause that's that's weird. They went that far south. Um, but yeah, okay. So yeah. they're there. So in you haven't played the game, and I haven't played the game, but I I've watched the gameplay. So in the game, this same scenario is in Pittsburgh. Got which it. Makes okay. more sense. So yeah, they're they're in a large city. They they got to a tunnel. They had to get around it. They are attacked by some people. They then kill those people who turns out have a lot of friends with them living in this city. Um, some revolutionary that they're group working with. What's that? There's some revolutionary group, I think. Yeah, I just know there's a person named Catherine, um, yeah. and they are not part of the government. 
Um, they are no. clearly trying to get revenge on some people. Yeah. Um, and the people that they're trying to get revenge on, uh, the episode that I just watched that ended, um, I, I'm assuming are who have woken Joel and Ellie up at this yeah. point. So. so, yeah. That's so, yeah, that's where I'm at. It's um, a. The next we'll revisit episodes. the series as a whole when I finish, but yeah. I'll, and I'll have it finished by next week. It is, uh, yeah. It kind of like turns up a little bit in the next episode. I, I assume so. We have the I have I have sensed the slow escalations, um, uh, um, you know, because now we're to the point where Ellie has shot someone on TV, and yeah. uh, so. You can tell that the the ante is being upped as we move along, as and I you know and it makes sense as they get further from home, further from you know essentially safety of living in the quarantine zone that they had been living in. Um, and, you know things are going to get more and more dangerous. So, yeah, and the, the, there's an ongoing theme, and I think you'll probably see this throughout. Like we've seen, the biggest dangers they've come across have been like people, like humans not necessarily the um yeah that's infected. a trope though that's a trope <laughs> at this like every like even walking dead it was like oh there's zombies but it's people that are the worst so this is better than walking dead though so. oh for sure um so, so we haven't seen lasso i haven't i haven't watched it yet um you did there's two see... episodes out so far it's it's, okay. it's 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 quite good it's the first episode was not as good as the second um which is i think what i would say about the mandalorian as well um but the second oh. episode i i did laugh quite a bit of ted speaking Lasso, of the so. mandalorian so let's just jump into that um so why didn't they about... end real quick okay. why didn't they end the first episode the way that they started the second like the stinger in or like whatever you, the cold open in the second episode should have just been the ending in, in episode one. So here's my take on that. Um, whenever they showed it to like critics in the premiere, they showed both these episodes together. You they saw one and two, and so that's you had this rash of like I liked the first episode, but it wasn't like amazing. It was just setting the chessboard. You see a lot of positive reviews from critics about episode one. And I thought that, well, that's weird because I'm very pro Star Wars. And I thought it's fine, but it's not like it's I've seen better episodes of Mandalorian. But then when I think about, oh, well, they saw one and two together. That changes your perspective of one once you watch two. Yeah. Two is a lot of fun. Um, I liked two. So we're what four episodes in now, right? That's how many we've done. Yes, four episodes. Two and four great episodes. Uh, three, all right episode. Four, three was one, like fine. Here, and I've I've read this online, and I agree with it. It's like so. You, there's been like, first of all, spoilers for Mandalorian. So if you haven't seen the Mandalorian, please stop listening. All seasons, or haven't seen any Star Wars, please stop listening. Spoilers for all Star Wars. Go watch Star Wars. Yeah. Um, watch it. Stop Stop listening. Watch it now. Go Go do it. Go watch. So prior to whatever drama was with Gina Carano, who was a, a member of the Mandalorian cast for two seasons, 
um, they had greenlit a show called Rangers of the New Republic or something of that nature. And henceforth, <laughs> she was fired from Disney due to social media posts. She's an anti-Semite. Let's just call it what it is. She and said a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff and, and deserved to get fired. Yeah. So I think what they've done in episode three is they're kind of like shoehorning Rangers of the New Republic content into the Mandalorian. Because mm. and with that whole like Dr. Pershing detour we take for most of the episode. Yeah, so this is something that is episode three. Um, this this grouping of Star Wars show of The Mandalorian and um and Book of Boba Fett had have a tendency of doing is, is spending at least one episode fully away from the main character the main of character. that show and to then, picture their characters. Yeah. Two characters that didn't matter in another show, and you'll need to watch. So, like that was a complaint that I know people had is like you needed to have watched Book of Boba Fett to understand everything in The Mandalorian. And I think you're right. Like, the well, episode three thought... with Dr. Pershing, like, it's going to be a tie-off into some something else where it's like, oh, if you didn't watch The Mandalorian, you're not going to understand this. Well, they're not doing that. Other... I don't think they're doing that other uh, that show. Yeah, but this anymore. could tie into, like, something with Ahso- the Ahsoka show or sure. something. I don't know. Sure. So, we move on. Like, that episode was... Was good. the The Mandalorian and um, Bo Katan parts were were very good. Oh god! Very yes. action. Had some great action. Tie fighter fights. And then you your go, opinion uh, though. Speaking of episode three, mm-hmm. um, so we we see you know we we get a glimpse into uh the New Republic, and I think this this is kind of this kind of answers some some questions that Star Wars fans had in general. Is like post return of the Jedi after the mm-hmm. empire is defeated. Like, do you just send all the stormtroopers to jail? What about like all of this, like massive thing? And like, how do you reintegrate the, the group that lost back into society? And we get a view of that. There's this yeah. kind of um, amnesty uh, group amnesty of, program. Yeah. Yeah. Amnesty program for these, for these Imperial workers, whether they were um, in the mil- officers in the military, or in the case here, scientists that were doing experiments for for the empire that are now illegal in the New Republic, you're kind of they go through these camps uh, where I guess they're kind of quote unquote retaught um, and then reintegrated back into society. But they have kind of they're they're almost under house arrest. They have rules around them. Um, yeah, and basically, uh, Doctor Pershing, character from season one that was about to do some experimentation on Grogu before the Mandalorian saved him um, is now part of this amnesty program. Um, But he wants to go back to doing his research that he was doing at the empire, but not for cloning um, Palpatine or Moff Gideon as the empire was having him do. It it seems like he wants to clone organs so that he can help people that need organ transplants and save lives. Um, He's convinced to do this by somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. By, by somebody else that's in the amnesty program kind of befriends him, convinces him that he should go break these rules and and break into this uh, Imperial ship and steal some things. Um, And then it turns out that she turns him in and he gets caught and uh, she then ends up wiping his whole memory. So Matt, did you take that as she was doing that for the new Republic that she thought he was like a danger and because the new Republic was only going to kind of like 
tickle his brain a little bit. They weren't going to like go full empire and destroy his memories. Um, but then she sneakily finds a way to to turn the dial up to 11 um, and I guess completely fry his brain. Do you think she's doing that for the new em- for the empire or because she's still loyal to them? Or do you think that it's uh, something to do with the new republic? Uh, my take was that she's doing it for the the empire. However, I could you could almost read that she didn't agree with his methods, maybe, or his science, or his his plan, and then she wanted to wipe it because she didn't want it to proceed. I don't know, but yeah, I I could think- go either way. My personal opinion is she think that there's something that she thought he so she worked for Moff Gideon, the original big bad um, in the first couple of seasons of this series. Um, What I think is uh, she believed that he knew something or knew too much or, you know, didn't want his technology or his knowledge falling into the hands of the New Republic. Um and is it is still loyal to the empire and that's why she did what she did and the reason for that is because she she has stolen some old um travel rations that the empire would hand out and it was something that she was talking that she missed um and she pulls one of those out of her pocket and starts eating it so i think like the whole symbolism there was um she's eating the imperial food while she's frying this guy's brain um I, i think it's because she's still loyal to the empire that's how um, I read it. That's how I read it as well. So there was another interesting thing that we've gotten in the first four episodes, Matt. Um, Grogu gets his gets a nice little cool um, piece of Mandalorian armor given to him by the blacksmith. Um, but the blacksmith, while she's making it for him, um, mentioned that mentions that the that the forge shows us our faults, and uh, while she's forging his armor. He has a flashback to um, the moment Order 66 happens. He was at the Jedi Temple. Um, and, you know, we see this flashback of him um, escaping with a Jedi um, from the temple, being chased by clone troopers uh, that are trying to kill all the Jedi as part of Order 66. He ends up escaping on a silver uh, Naboo starship. Um, it was clearly the Naboo Guard and a Naboo ship that he that Grug gets on and takes off on. Matt, did you notice in that scene where we get the flashback for Grogu? Um, did you, do you know who the Jedi that saves him was? Like the actor? Yes. Yes, I do. So this for is those, Mister Ahmad Best, um, uh, Ahmed Best. Matt, well, if you don't has, know, has he ever played a character in Star Wars before? Yes, he was in the prequel episode one. He played Jar Jar Binks. He was in he was episode, the actor. Who he's also in Jar episode three, episode where three. he's a uh, uh, a Naboo senator. And um, I loved it for him. He gets to be a Jedi. The the Jar Jar Binks actor gets to be a Jedi who saves Grogu. Um, Now, have you seen all of the rumor and guessing that's been going on because of this, Matt? No, I haven't. So Jar Jar is from Naboo. And according to many things that I've read on Reddit, it is apparently in canon um, or folks that 
study Star Wars lore, it is heavily implied or believed that Jar Jar would be on Naboo when Order 66 happened. Um, and the ship that picks Grogu up is, a, as I said, a Naboo starship. The people that are waiting there for um, the Jedi, who I believe his name is Beck, um, his character's name. Um, yeah, things like Kenan Beck or something like that. So you've got Beck. Uh, he tells Grogu he's got some friends waiting for him. Um, and when he gets there, the friends are like uh, the Naboo uh, Royal Guard, essentially. Um, the dudes with like the weird like red helmets that we saw protecting Princess Amidala in episode one. Um, so those are the guys that are there. They get on this Naboo starship and they get away. So you've got Jar Jar is apparently on Naboo at this time. The actor that played Jar Jar and Grogu getting on a Naboo starship being defended by um, Naboo guard. So the common rumor or theory right now is at some point we are going to get to see Jar Jar Binks again in the Mandalorian series. Yeah, so he played Pellerin Beck. So do you think do you think this is a sign that we're gonna get to see Jar Jar again? No. Do you want to see Jar Jar again? No. I do. Uh Misa don't want to see him. Why? Uh I'm not the greatest uh fan of the character. Yeah, but it's it's so bad it's good at this point. Like it's it's a meme at this point if you bring him back. Well, I think it's just bad. <laughs> and then um, it's subjective. This is my opinion. So if you want to see, Jar he's a Jar, stupid character, but it's not a bad opinion. I'm just when saying. did when did episode one come out? Ninety eight, something like that. Ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that. Yeah. So I was like ten or eleven years old. So and you're you're you you were you were like thirty. So there's I think there's a difference between our well, experience was, when we first saw Judge. I was uh, twenty one, and um, yeah. Yeah, 30. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes, you were 10 or 11. And it the show was made for you. I had watched the previous Star Wars and I was excited. I had had to wait like 20 years to watch new Star Wars or something like that. Dude, and, I had I had I, had, it was I like, watched Star I, I had I knew who Mace Windu was like before those movies came out. I was a Star Wars nerd when I was yeah. a little kid, dude. I knew Han Solo was before you were born. Well, yeah, a lot of people did. He was he existed in the zeitgeist before I was born. At any rate. That's like you being like, I know who the, I knew who the Dallas Cowboys were before you were born. Well, yeah. Yeah, Matt, everybody did. <laughs> so my take so are is, you, are you enjoying are you enjoying um, Mandalorian? Do you like the season so far? Yeah. For sure, I think you like it better than Book of Boba Fett. Of course, that was not good. I thought. See, I still think Book of Boba Fett was good. I enjoyed it. It was not good. I liked it. It was. It was slow, but I liked it. (laughs) You know what my problem with the Mandalorian is, though. What? Why don't any of the enemies kill the thing that they capture when they capture it? Because two times in four episodes so far. Well, this is the Star had, Wars thing. That's true. It is a very Star this Wars thing. But this like, is an isolated Mandalorian. Like, I mean, Princess Leia. The Mandalorian himself gets captured by some crazy beast on Mandalore. Um, and after being captured, uh, Grogu has time to escape. 
run away from multiple creatures, get on a ship, fly to another planet, tell Bogaton where they need to go, get on Bogaton's ship. Bogaton flies over there. They climb all the way back down, get through some other stuff, kill some creatures, and then finally get back to where Dinjarin's been captured exactly at the moment where the guy's about to do something bad to Dinjarin and they're Here. able to save him. We talked about this last for Obi-Wan. It's a Star Wars, at this point, it's a Star Wars trope. It's like, the whole point of Star Wars is we got to save this person who's captive in this thing. Yeah. And it's we're all get Star Wars the, is. The moment before the thing decides it's going to kill them. Like, even though it could have killed them at any point. Because we see it again where uh, they 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 go to, the they go to Din Djarin's little uh, co- uh, covert of, yeah. of Mandalore. He is now bathed in the waters and he has been welcomed back. Bo-Katan has also bathed in the waters and hasn't taken her helmet off since. Um, there's a little child that gets captured by a Star Wars dragon, <laughs> for lack of a better and then term. They go. We have to save the Mandalorian yeah. child from. She the has time to follow the dragon. Raptor. Yeah, follow the yeah a rat that they do call. They call it a raptor. Yeah. So they have time. Bo, they have time for Bogotan to follow the raptor that has taken this child, um, to its nest. Turn around, fly all the way back tell everybody about it they then gather supplies get a party together fly back there they don't even go after the kid immediately matt they they make a campfire and spend the night <laughs> then they yeah then they climb the up to the then nest. they climb up and then that's when the raptor comes back and decides to try to kill the kid <laughs> so but i mean this is a star wars thing from like new hope like that we yeah. start new hope with like we've captured princess leia yeah, that made sense though. Having she's her not telling us any information, we're gonna yeah. hold her. Yeah, having having we're gonna show her as to show Alderaan. Just get rid of Princess Leia. No, you don't want to get rid of Princess. She's she's an epic bargaining chip at that point. For no, who he, they destroyed that one makes her sense. whole planet? Who were they bargaining with? The rebellion. They want to know where they want to know where the rebellion is being held, so they can take the Death Star there and blow it up. And then you got Luke and Han have to go and save the princess. And then this is just an ongoing thing throughout Star Wars. Yep. It, it really <laughs> Someone is. Someone is held somewhere. We have to go res- break in this place and rescue them. Yeah. But they, um, they, 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 there's a feeling of like end of Game of Thrones with this. where like suddenly like just getting from one place that's very far away from another place is suddenly very easy and fast to do. Yeah. So I, I'm quite enjoying. I was enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed the the Tie Fighter dogfight oh, sequences were great. The, all the fighting sequences have been stellar. Just Okatan has been like amazing. Yeah, her watching great. her slowly like reintegrate into her own culture and like I think I think the theme here is her finding refinding her true sense of self. And what it will be to be to be the true leader of Mandalore, I th- like I think that's what we're seeing. This well, discovery. Yeah. Of. Also, I think like she's finding like like all of her peeps like they they bounced on her. Yeah, and but these she's people like, will I'm be loyal if she's new, loyal to them. Loyal. Also, like she saw the Mandalore. the Mythosaur. Mythosaur, that's what it is. Mythosaur, and then um, she's kind of holding that a little close to the the vest. That information. I think she and, thinks she's crazy. Because it's not because that's the thing is it's called a mythosaur because it's supposed to be myth. Yeah. And I don't think she believed the story like she was very 
she was very casual and almost sarcastic in the second episode when they get to the waters. Yeah. And she reads to Din Jordan kind of like the history of them. And she's like, yeah, yeah, this guy supposedly came here and saw this monster that doesn't even exist. But well, the monster like um, chose him to be the yeah. leader, you know, or, you know, whatever the case is. So do you think the Mythosaur chose Din Djarin or Bo-Katan? It's Bo-Katan and she's going to tame it. That's what's going to happen. I think so, too. Yeah, it, it. this is going to be like her, like her key back into what she's always like Din Djarin doesn't want that leadership Bo-Katan wants to lead Mandalore and not yeah. in like a greedy I need power sense in that she feels like it is her duty yeah. to do so and we've um, seen her use the the dark saber very well proficiently yeah. yes much better and than, than seen, Din Djarin can yeah not at all he needs to just give it up he can't though she has to win it from him I know that's gonna be interesting um, do you think this is leading into because Bogotan does play has in like Clone Wars and other animated media is pretty well, tightly linked to like Ahsoka? Yes, so do you think yes, you're gonna see Ahsoka yeah, be, in Mandalore? She will be a very important player in the Ahsoka show. Do you think we'll see Ahsoka in Mandalore in season three? I do. You think it, was it may be the last episode or the penultimate yeah. episode, but I think, you think there's I do any think other we'll characters, surprise characters that we are aware of that know about that we'll see. You've seen um, Rebels, right? You think? Any yeah, Rebels? I think we're going to see what's her name from Rebels. Uh, oh, what's her name? Oh, Sabine Wren. Sabine Wren. Yes, I, I think we'll see Sabine. Um, she's been cast already for the Soka. So okay, like, the she's a Night Owl, cast. right? Yes. Yeah. So she, she's in. Helmet she, we'll see her. Um, it, it, it may be like a. I wonder if we'll see her in a flashback. Um, you know, or maybe we see a current version of her. I don't know. And and like um like Bo-Katan, like she's from like a noble family of Mandalore. Right. So yeah, I would I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Sabine. In this season, because it's going to lead into Ahsoka, and she's already been cast for Ahsoka, so, and they're set in the same time frame, the both series, as in the they're in this universe or time of of the Mandalorian. Yeah, between Return of the Jedi and before the Force Awakens. But um, speaking of that, did you see like I think we we kind of talked about it offline, maybe. About what John Favreau said about the, how the timeline works for the Mandalorian. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about this. So ago. I'm trying to figure out where we're at in the timeline. If season one was a couple years, and two, yeah, season one was like pretty set, happened over several after years. Jedi, and then season two happened over several years. Yeah, but when he says several, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like three. Because, okay. because clearly Luke is is very early still in kind of like finding Jedi. You know what I mean? Like his his academy is not at a full swing yet when he finds Grogu because he's not teaching anybody else in the Grogu scenes we see with Luke. I I'm sorry. I just saw a wild like tweet. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would agree with that because I, so I think I think, so it's, I think about, it's pretty early on still. So we're, 
so all total, like the first two seasons, we're talking probably like a five year time time frame. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Okay. Um, any other media that you're consuming or have consumed? Movies, TV, anything else you're watching? No, I'm just I've got so much to watch right now, man. This is this is I a still glorious start, time. Um, well, of course, Ted Lasso, but also I want to start shrinking. And then, of course, Mandalorian. I have watched like two episodes of it. It's not bad. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. So I've heard good things about it. So that's what I got going on. Of course, Mandalorian. And I want to go see the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Everyone seems to like it. Oh, I really want to see that too. John Wick has getting, it's got like 94% of Rotten Tomatoes. Everyone loves it's that. It's John so. Wick, dude. You know what you're getting with John Wick. It's John and Wick. So, like, I want to see that. So. There's a bunch of movies coming out, you know, we're getting to that time of year where it's like summer movies and blockbusters and right, things that are right up uh, our alley. Yeah, getting to that time of year where I need to call some friends and say, hey, the baby's asleep. Can you just come in, hang out at the house while we go to the movies? Yeah, for sure. So, Matt, Matt, where can, where can the people find oh, you? Well, I'll go first. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Workman. And um, you can also find me on uh ODB uh, Discord server. At Matt Discord. Yeah. Fun places to be. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. You can also find me on uh, R Daily Bears. Um, and you can find the podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Check them out as well. Absolutely. Um, also, if you're so inclined, you can go to com. Find all of our episodes uh, there. Joe. Matt. I'm glad you're back into the States. More regular uh, podcasting coming your way. Yes. More football talk. More football talk as we gear up and more information will come out for spring. And, you know, more Mandalorian, more all the stuff that we love to talk about. Yeah. This so, summer, we're going to watch Bad Batch. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll, we'll we'll find some other things that we uh, that we got to watch. So... So until next time, Jeff. Sick and bears. Sick and bears.